You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the fabulous 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones, and also there is no flash photography, please. Welcome to the 54 Below podcast. I'm Megan Prickett, the club's assistant programming director. Our guests today are Francis Raphael and Norman Bowman, the dream team known as Frankie and Bozy. Frances Raphael won the Tony Award for her work as Eponine in the original Broadway production of Les Mis, a role she also originated on the West End. Her other stage roles include Roxy in Chicago, Queenie in the Wild Party, and more. Frances is also a recording artist, composer, and writer. Norman Bowman is one of the West End's favorite leading men, with credits including Sky in Guys and Dolls, Marius in Les Mis, Sam in Mamma Mia, and more. In addition to his work on stage, he also has a thriving film and television career. Francis Raphael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And welcome Norman Bowman to the podcast as well. Thank you. Hello. We are so excited for your duo debut with us here at 54 Below coming up in November. We're excited. Very, very excited. We've been practicing quite a lot, haven't we, babe? Yes, we have. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. Well, first of all, I've heard that... You met at a train station in Scotland on Valentine's Day, which seems like a wild story. What can you tell us about that interaction and how your relationship blossomed after that? It's all lies, is what I'm telling you. Lies, <laughs> lies, lies. Lies. Theatrical <laughs> lies. No, um, Frankie and Bozy met at the train station, and that does happen in the show. But we actually met um, in the theatre. We worked together um, in Les Miserables, actually, but um, 10 years after it opened, I went back for a short stint, and that's when we met, really. Wow. So you, the two of you met doing Les Mis together? Yeah. On yeah, the West we did. End. Fascinating. And so, Francis, you went back to play the role of Eponine, and Norman, were you playing Marius at this point? I wasn't, actually. It was my first job out of college, and I was understudy. I was second cover when the contracts used to be much shorter. And then I got bumped up. And um, uh, one of uh, Frankie's dear friends, who was the Marius at the time, Mario Frangoulis, he uh, he liked to have a good time at the weekend. So, uh, like, he would go off and do concerts and he would, he, I, I don't know, he didn't seem to enjoy Saturdays very often. So he'd call me and say, you're on. So I'd end up getting on uh, quite a lot as Marius. Um, and, and then I, I took on the role when I went on tour. It's a good time. Mario is going to kill you. Oh, well, he knows it's true. He knows it's true. I ended up playing the part. I nearly, I ended up playing the part something like, God, it was about 60 times or something. It was something really, really quite ridiculous, but wonderful for me, of course. Um, so we did actually play those roles together all those years ago. Not that we remember much about it, but <laughs> the, the the thing was, even then, I knew just how uh, special it was to be on stage with Frankie. Um, no, that's true, and it's it's always like that. Ed, to be honest, I think Frankie on stage is just an extraordinary and inimitable performer. Well, that's so lovely, but obviously coming back at you, babe, because I wouldn't mm. be doing it with you. <laughs> but this is, I don't want to be like, you know, wow, we love each other so much. You know? <laughs> but we, we do. Know, 
I love the love fest. I can't, like, <laughs> the vibes are so great. I'm, I love this. Um, Francis, just going back to that, what was it like to go back into Les Mis 10 years later? Well, I did have a lovely time because I was only meant to go in for three months and I stayed for eight. But it's wow. just such a lovely role. You know, I always adored it. But I have to say it was a bit harder as well. Ten years later with three children, much harder for me, tougher for me to to be. And I felt a bit like everyone ex- expects so much because I was a Tony Award winner coming back to reprise mm-hmm. my role. So mm-hmm. I, I guess it was a lot of responsibility. But um, it it was a good thing. I did it. I paid the mortgage and and I did have a good time, but I, I realized when I, I would not do it again. So that was it. Yeah. So that was kind of a great final, final send off for yes. you and Ebony back where, back where you both started. Yeah. Yeah, it was back in that wow. beautiful theater, the palace theater. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I want to um, ask about the backstory of these two nicknames, Frankie and Bozy. And um, what can y'all tell us about the, the origins of these of these names for the two of you? Shall I shall I answer, babe? Well, yeah, yes, but I, I should say it's not as glamorous as you think. No, <laughs> but um, I, I'll I'll explain about Bozy. So Norman is the same name as my father. So my father's called Norman, and I love my mum to bits. She's a brilliant, clever woman, but she does rather scream at my dad, and says things like Norman, Norman. Come in, Norman. Yeah, I'm sorry if I've your sound probably went crazy just then. But um, yes, and I just thought I can't have a boyfriend with the same name as my dad because all I can hear is my mum, my mum. <laughs> so um, I just found you know Norman Bowman is his last name Bowman, so I ended up calling him Bozy, and it just stuck. And now, I mean, I just call him Bozy, that's it. Everyone, all my friends call him Bozy as well. So he's kind of stuck with it. It's, it's cute. I, I've certainly been called much worse in my life. But uh, <laughs> it's also interesting, people's spelling variations of it. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I spelled it originally, but like my beau. He's my beau, Bozy. I so I spell that. it in the sort of French way, but actually Bowman is spelled B-O-W. But then if you spell Bozy, B-O-W, Everyone calls it Bowsy. Bowsy, right. So, and I could tell you about Frankie because I might as well now I'm talking. Yes, please, please. <laughs> so Frankie happened um, actually in mainly in the States when I was doing Les Mis. So when I was 21 years old, um, all the cast called me Frankie and it stuck. Um, so that was, you know, it's been a long time I've been called Frankie actually. Wow. Well, it's, you know, it's one thing to become, to become friends and entirely another, once you're friends and have this relationship established to decide to create a show together. So I'm interested to to learn what led you to becoming an artistic team. Well, you know, Frankie has done many amazing uh, one woman shows over the years. Um, it's almost as uh, almost as synonymous with you as it is being eponine. Um, people just know and adore her shows. And um, of course, I, I've done much, uh, a lot of musical theatre over the years, but I don't do cabarets that much, um, although I do enjoy them. Uh, and I think uh, having just spent time together as a couple, it felt like the most natural thing to try and, create a project for us both uh and it started with you know just a passionate list of songs that we love and that we wanted to be able to sing 
either as solos or together. Um, and I say this time and again, but to be asked to do any cabaret with Frankie is both uh, incredible and uh, uh, daunting. <laughs> because, one, you know, one stands uh, little chance of upstaging Frankie when she's on stage. So you just have to... Uh, I've I've embraced the fact that we are different performers, but we both bring a very different uh, we we both bring a beautiful energy, but a different energy, and I think the combination of it is what really really actually makes the show. Because, we uh, actually have our, our two characters, which are sort of like us anyway. I'm the sort of yeah. I'm the bad cop, you're the good cop, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I'm the naughty one, and he's the very shy good one. Um, and so we kind of play off that a bit and, we, and the characters are are like us, but not exactly us. And, you know, we embellish our characters and we have a lot of, it's really from Scotland to Sondheim, you know, with Bosie coming from Scotland, we've definitely incorporated the Scottish side of it. There's a few Scottish songs um, from musicals and not, but also, you know, what he wears as well. Of course, he wears his kilt, which is fantastic and <laughs> You know, in a, in a way, and my character wears the trousers, if you know what I mean, and he wears the skirt. Um, and it's quite fun, and we do we use that quite a lot in the show, and we write vignettes which we've written together. Um, in the past, I've written people that know my shows know I I write vignettes in between the songs, and make them really I make them into like a mini musical. Um, right. and we've done that together this time, and and we actually wrote really well together. We bantered off each other quite well and yeah. and we were on the same page very early on which was I was grateful and thankful for because you know we are a real life couple right. so it could have been quite dangerous for us <laughs> <laughs> we have our moments a yeah. little moments but well, maybe we, we, have, a, we have a different there. approach to rehearsals uh, but yeah you know. yeah I over rehearse I like to I'm one of those people that just have to keep rehearsing I'm mm -hmm. I literally we're in the car together and I'm like right Country house, come on. <laughs> you can rehearse anywhere, can't you? Everywhere as a rehearsal space. Oh, that's the thing, of course. And we have the luxury of time together. Now that I've finished my contract at Mamma Mia, we mm -hmm. have much more time to just say, let's have a go at this song. Let's have a go at this. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we've not made it easy for ourselves. You know, we've chosen some uh, slightly kind of tricky songs to master. Um, yes, definitely. The most yeah. tricky I've ever, ever sung. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. We, have some, we have hard work there. Well, <laughs> and, we, and we've done some choreography, which is quite funny because both of us are what we call able movers. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't say choreography, I would say moves. <laughs> it's cute. It is cute. But, but we do have it. We do, which is quite funny. Um yeah. That's why I, I feel like the two of you all like even just in this podcast complement each other so well. So I really <laughs> I'm really excited to kind of see that translate to this to this performance on stage. Yeah, I yeah. Well, well I don't want to like say, <laughs> oh yeah, it's great because I can't really say that about our own cabaret, but it is fun. It's definitely entertaining. We've done it a few times oh, in London. So we, yeah. we know the reaction. It's very entertaining, and, and it's it. very really do got a little bit of everything in it and it's worth mentioning it it is a journey from beginning to end yeah we don't we don't say we don't sing songs and then do a little bit of a spiel it all links up so once you once you get on the the the, the train as it were uh, you go with us all the way 
to the very end. And right. then- it's so interesting too, you know, we, we see so many different types of cabaret because there are many different ways to do a, a cabaret show. You know, a lot of artists sing through their resume. A lot of artists sing through their dream roles. And those are both wonderful, but it's it's so fascinating to see, especially a couple, two, pe- two different performers who have various performance experience, but th- to see two people come together and kind of form this narrative cabaret show where it may not have like one central plot, but like you were talking about vignettes in between the songs, a, a kind of linked together story from beginning to end. That's something you don't always see on the cabaret stage. And it's something uh, I'm really fascinated by. Well, the, the thing is that you see um, cabaret, um, the word cabaret means originally small room. Mm. So what we're doing is theater in a small room. Right. So it, it's intimate theater. And that can be anything, as you say, it can yeah. be, you know, singing through your resume or whatever. But personally, what happened with me originally is that I, w- I was asked to do a one woman show and I was too scared to talk to the audience. I found that every time I talked, I started to stutter. I just couldn't wow. do it. So I, the only way to do it was the first, my first ever show was a song cycle. And I spoke a scripted speech right at the beginning and then just right at the end. And it was just the whole time I just went from one song to another. Wow. And then I got braver, but 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 only as brave as to do vignettes. So it's almost like poems in between. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I've always done my shows. And actually, even now, um, we do chat a little bit at the beginning, just because it's nice for the audience to see us really, you know. Yes, of but, course. Um, basically, I usually let Bozy do most of that. Like, I'm fine on a podcast. Here I am yapping away. <laughs> you give me a mic and an audience. No, 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 no. I'd rather not, you know. <laughs> that, that's fascinating with with all of these roles that you've played do you, do you find it easier to be more comfortable on stage as a character even one in a cabaret setting yes i do yeah so, interesting. what about you norman um yeah it's 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 fascinating. We've had talks about it, Frankie and I, about what that is because I'm completely at ease talking to a room. And I don't know where that necessarily comes from, other than I, I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to say a lot of the parts I've ever played, as 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 varied as they are in terms of you know being different shows, there is a common theme if they're um, juvenile romantic leads, which they most of them have been. But essentially, I'm just me in those situations. I know that says a lot about a lot of actors, but I think when Frankie does something, she goes somewhere else. And she goes to a different place with it. She she becomes far more of a performance artist, whereas I have to have, I've had to find a way to play these parts that are not really that dissimilar to who I am. It's just me in those different scenarios. So on the occasion when I've been able to talk to an audience, it's not as big a leap. It feels like it's not that huge a transition, and. Uh, uh, I, I actually really enjoy it because he's really, I, I, he's really good at that. You well, know, I, 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 I think I understand that an audience just want to be relaxed. They want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. You know, um, once you kind of realize they're on your side, it just makes it easier to talk to them. You know, the first time I saw him do like a solo show alone was in Scotland and he was wandering around all these tables of these wonderful, mainly old women, actually, <laughs> and who were, like looking at him adoringly. And 
he was chatting away, making them laugh. He hadn't even planned what he was going to say. And I, that's something I just can't do. Um, and wiggling his hips in his kilt and, you know, just, I, I just, that was a moment I knew I wanted to work with you on a cabaret level, you know, the two of us. It was from seeing oh. that. <laughs> well, it sounds like your your varying styles could also, I mean, it could be a recipe for disaster, but it could also be something really beautiful because you can learn from each other and use things that the uh, that you may not have thought about in the past because of your two different approaches to acting and finding those characters. Well, yeah, I, well it feels like we because we've always we've known each other quite some time. You know, it's nearly twenty. Eight years, and um, it might might have been fleeting at times when we've met and all that kind of stuff. But it really does bring this um, inherent sense of uh, uh, connected energy. And even though we are different performers, where we meet in the middle is that we love doing what we do. And God knows how many years that are between us on stage. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, we just we just love what we do, and it happens to really really work. I mean, with every sold out show, we've had just the most amazing of responses because we, 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 I think we understand what an audience really likes and they want to go on the journey and we go right. on a quite they do. journey. Yeah, 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 they want to be taken somewhere. It's not enough just to stand and sing a pretty song sometimes. Yes, right. you can get away with that two, three songs later. You're just like, okay. Uh, that's that's good. That's can I feel something now? <laughs> I'm not happy with that at all. I I literally have um, such a sort of high value to performing a show in in this small in a small space. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think of all my shows as being things that could be performed on Broadway or the West End. You know, proper theatre pieces. Hmm. And um, I think um, we certainly give our money's worth, don't we? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do. Yeah, I'm certain you do. I'm certain. This <laughs> well, below is quite expensive, but it is so fabulous and so worth the money. And it's a real glamorous evening out, so worth every penny. It's a very and special room. It really is. Yeah. I'm very excited. I have actually performed there before. Yes, um, a long time ago, and I absolutely loved it. So it will be Bosie's first time there. It is sort of mentioning show, aren't we? First, we're going to go and check oh, yeah, out yeah. again. Do a little recap. I think we're going to go and see Melissa, Erico. Oh, fabulous! Yeah, yes. because she's on like the week before us, mm-hmm. so we're going to go yes. and see her and um, remind ourselves about the room and everything. Because yeah. in London and at Crazy Cox, we we run around the room quite a lot and do things in different mm-hmm. spaces. So and I, I know your tech staff are fantastic. They're still the same people, right? They are. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they're, amazing. they're amazing. So mm-hmm. I don't want to put too much uh, um, stress on them, but, you know, we'll probably <laughs> uh, want to, you know, stage it in a few couple of little areas, and, you know, Make a little change, change it up. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll make it happen. It's it's going to be really special. I I'm I'm certain of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to talk a little bit more about Frankie and Bozy, but before we do that, um, I want to jump back to the beginning, um, back to Les Mis. Um, and I know that we've briefly talked about these two roles that you've played in the show, but I have a fun little question, and I'm wondering if you could play any other role. <laughs> no, no what way. What would you play? 
No, there's nothing. Uh, no, I, I thought about it. Fontaine isn't really right for me. Um, okay. I used to sing along to Patty every night, and I can't do what Patty ever did, and I wouldn't want to go try. And right. so, um, no, I think it's good to stick with Eponine. And Madam T, um, up until now, people have asked me, would I like to do it? And um, basically, I, I don't really feel like doing Madam T, but then, you know, maybe in 10 years, maybe I'll, I'll want to. But <laughs> I think it'd be fantastic, Madam T. I, pro- I, I, I mean, I do love doing comedy, which is Odd, odd, really, because people don't expect me to be doing comedy. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Knitting <laughs> in the dressing room for so long, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, you, to have heard the show so many times, I mean, you. It, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> Maybe later. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not ready. <laughs> what about you, Norman? <laughs> in Les Mis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, of course, I've always... I've always harbored a little bit of a, a dream about doing Valjean, but in all honesty, it gets less and less the older I get because I just kind of, I don't know, it's a lot. It's a, it's, a, it's quite a big, 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 big role. And I think uh, as I get older, I realize I might have less and less of the stamina. My vocal's fine, you know, but God, come on, I kind of sit, consider how old some of the, Valjeans have have been over the last 20, 30 years. I don't know how many would have been in their 50s, um, mid 50s. Um, in fact, their first. You was could that do it. It? standing on your head. <laughs> uh, I'll have to try that. Stand on my head. Maybe that's the way to do it. An upside down Jean Valjean. Upside down Jean Valjean for three hours. You've got it. <laughs> I think. <laughs> So talking about all of these roles that that the two of you have played on stage, um, I'm interested to know kind of how the process differs for a a cabaret such as this, considering it's still kind of a narrative theatrical piece. I mean, are your processes completely different versus doing a stage production or is it similar? We are far more of ourselves in this cabaret. So, of course, the process differs in that respect. And we are also at liberty to make changes. You know, there have been some wordings that we are we keep revisiting and going, well, maybe we should make that um, glide a little bit more. And, uh, and so we, it's great to be our own bosses for a start, you know. And I think also to be eyes on each other. And so we're we're self-directing in that respect. We do have Paul Baker, who's helped us stage it. He's been our eyes, our, our kind of uh, separate eyes. But um, a lot of it comes down to, I think it's just coming down to our own instincts. You know, we've, like I say, we've done, we've both done so much between us. Um, so as a process, it is, it is a bit different because sometimes we're just sitting here and we're having a cup of tea. And then Frankie will go, let's do the words too. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and we'll go and do, do the words. Um, um, but how they differ from approaching role, I, am, I imagine it's um, it's quite, I would say it's quite different. Would you, Frankie? Yeah, it because we have the power. We have the power <laughs> to do any key we want. We can change any word we want. We can shorten anything we want. It, I like having the power. I really do. Um, but I do, when it comes to rehearsals, I rehearse just as much as I would a, a regular show. Wow. 
Yeah. What about, you know, going back to kind of theater and your process for playing um, these different theatrical roles, as far as new works versus these revivals that both of you have also done, what, what is it like, you know, to step into roles knowing the people, which of course I know a lot of actors try not to think about, you know, all who've, who've come before, but you, to a certain extent, you do have to think about those actors mm-hmm. who have kind of made their, have put their stamp on it and how you can put your own stamp on it. So as far as new works versus revivals, what about the process um, for all of our listeners who are fascinated by theatrical process? How, <laughs> how does that differ for you? For me, I don't really think it differs at all. I mean, I've done a few roles that other people have done. I, I'm, I'm certain I probably got a little bit swayed by hearing a recording here and there. You can't help it. But I do try and make everything my own and, and I approach it. I approach it in what way would be right for me. Um, so I don't really feel like it's any different. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because your career, I think, began by creating, you know, by originating roles, whereas mine has been predominantly takeovers. I've I've rarely originated anything. I was just having this conversation literally just yesterday about that difference and, and how that impacts you as a performer. You know, if you're only accustomed to filling in the shoes and, of, of your predecessors, how much, how much freedom do you have to interpret? How much freedom do you have when it comes to something new, um, to spread your wings and have, you know, confidence in your choices. Um, and I think, uh, God originating God. Yeah. There's, I, I, that's, that's one of my greatest envies. I have to say is being, you know, in a, in a position whereby you're asked time and again to be the first, that you're you're trusted that much um, to bring something to the table, and that's it. It's cemented for his for forevermore. I mean, I you know, F- Frankie will forever be the original Eponine, and um, and there'll be many imitators uh, ever you know since then of 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 that kind of style and of that song and. And who knows what that process was? You know, Frankie would be able to enlighten us when she, when it came to that. <laughs> well, I guess I didn't think about it. I didn't. I didn't have to think about it. And I, what an amazing opportunity to have so young. I mean, right? Well, it's yeah. it's funny because Andrea McArdle has performed here several times, and she talks about playing Annie and having tomorrow being her forever signature song, no matter yeah. where she goes, no matter what <laughs> yeah. she does, they're always going to ask her. And she, she tells a fabulous story of, she was at this performance years ago with Carol Channing and she was complaining about it. And Carol Channing told her never complain about having <laughs> a signature song. So, yeah. I mean, I'm interested to know your thoughts on that because, you know, like, like Norman said, like, you are up and on my own is mm-hmm. your signature yeah. song. I mean, how, how does that feel even the, all these years later? Well, now I'm very grateful. Um, mm-hmm. There were a few years in my life where I just couldn't bear the thought of singing it. And then in fact, Michael Ball told me off about it and said, you have to sing it. That's what the audience are there for. They want to hear you sing it. And so then I put it back into my acts and now I do I do sing it. Actually, I realise I don't sing it in London, do, do I? 
more Londoners don't get it. I don't know, maybe I ought to put it in, but I'm not sure they care that much about it, but um, I will be doing it in New York for sure, yeah. It's a weird one though, isn't it? Because you don't, you would love people to know that there is something you're doing because people want to hear, not because you can't grow past it. Yeah, it's <laughs> you true. Know? That, yeah. that, you, that you're, that, um, you're somehow never moving on, which of course you want to. But um, people have come to just want to expect to hear the original Eponine sing that song. Yeah, we we should probably put it in in London, you know. We'll have a discussion later at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I'm definitely doing it in New York, yeah. I've even got a beautiful guitarist, uh, my guitarist from before, Tim, he's coming in especially to play it for me, which would be just gorgeous. Can't wait to work with him again. That's awesome. Well, we we really can't wait to hear it. Um, we are going to talk so much more about Frankie and Bozy as soon as we are back. So let's take a quick break for a few short messages, and we will be right back. And we are back with Francis Raphael and Norman Bowman talking about their upcoming cabaret, Frankie and Bozy, here at 54 Below on November 10th and 11th. So this show is being advertised as from Brigadoon to Broadway, from the Highlands to Hollywood, from Scotland to Sondheim. I am all in for that <laughs> description. Um, I love, I mean, Brigadoon, it's, we're talking classic musical theater. We're talking Hollywood. And then from Scotland to Sondheim, it sounds like is quite a trip. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. eclectic. What's that? Eclectic, very eclectic. Yeah, like I say, we started with a favorite bunch of songs, and then we mm-hmm. started just finding others to bring in. And I mean, you know, I'm very proud of my own roots, and I'm, I'm just so happy to have got quite a few uh, Scottish themed uh, songs in there. And the thing is, I, I think it also it has a, a wonderful romantic, lilting, mythological kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything to do with Scotland, so it, it immediately I think it brings a, a degree of colour. And uh, you know, of course, wearing a kilt is always. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, Frankie would have me wearing it all day, every day. I would. I, would. <laughs> I love it. When he goes out or does anything, I say, where your kilt? Where your kilt? And sometimes he does. Amazing. Well, I have to say for any of our listeners who haven't seen the image that that they're using for the show, it's it's perfect. It is just so it's so interesting and fresh, and you look amazing, both of you. I mean, that's it's so eye grabbing when you're scrolling through the website. You're like, what is that? <laughs> so it's 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 awesome. Um, Frankie grabs your eye first, first and foremost. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I think so. That's why I'm behind you. <laughs> you talked about how your um, writing process kind of works, how the two of you work work well together and how it really kind of flowed. But I'm interested, you know, in creating this narrative piece, what were some of your, you know, inspirations for these characters other than your own personal relationship? It was just high. I think it was just heightening us, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, us. And and uh, uh, to, you know, as two human beings who've had, you know, relationships, we've got kids, um, we've 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 uh, been around the block, and yeah. uh, and a, 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 a kind of an understanding of 
this fallacy that relationships are are perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, one can you know certainly deem it to be perfect in one's eyes and stuff, but you know relationships do go up and down, and they do have uh, a little bit of friction and 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 so. Of course, it obviously makes more makes for better entertainment sure. to have something that's not just uh, simple and yeah. uh, let people know what they're getting. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I love how it's how the show description. You say that this show celebrates the ups and the downs. Exactly, not, not just the ups. It, it sounds like this is showing what an what an actual relationship is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is the imperfectly perfect relationship. Because we all think we all think the the couple next to us have got something amazing going on, but we we don't see their backstage moments, only their greatest yeah. hits. Mm-hmm. And we all know for sure, you know, that it's to have two um, grown up human beings of the opposite sex to remain in constant kind of harmony is really really tricky. Um, but you know that doesn't take away from a love. It doesn't take from uh, uh, an idealism of what that couple um, represent and how they function with each other. And of course, we all find it just a little bit funny anyway to see a couple <laughs> having a wee bargy or a right or a little, <laughs> or a little bit of a. well and you know to share a story like this at an intimate venue such as uh crazy cox in london or 54 below you know it's it's so different like we like we talked about you know so different than performing in these massive theaters or concert halls so there's got to be something exciting to share something so personal and so intimate in a space like you said a a small room where you're connecting you know you're looking into the eyes of the audience um how how does it feel knowing that you'll get to connect with each other and also them in that moment? Well, go on, you, you speak. <laughs> I, I felt like, I, I mean, I have an answer, but I felt like I answered the last one. But you, you, you tell us about your thrill. My um, thrill? Yeah, about being in a, in a cabaret, a small room. Well, in a small room, but I'm with you. You know, it, it is thrilling. And, you know, and sometimes things go wrong and we get little eye contact and things. It's it's fun. It's fun having a partner in crime on the stage with you. Mm-hmm. It's not lonely. And cabaret in the past for me, even though I've loved it, it has been lonely. I've been taking all the pressure. And I just, I love sharing all that with him. And equally for a, for an audience to to get to see the whites of the eyes to kind of right. it affords you so many more levels, mm-hmm. you know that you can mm-hmm. bring it into a space whereby uh, they can almost feel the energy immediately off you as opposed to in a in a big room where you you have to work a little harder, you know, to kind of communicate with the back row. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the thrilling space. When I went to uh, where I went to college, um, all our acting space was intimate, and I loved that. Um, I could say you just get to go a few more nuanced mm-hmm. places with it, and uh, and 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 uh, I think audiences are thrilled by that, and they love to be that close to performers. They do, they do. There's some, well, there's something about knowing. I think that you know when the when the performers, especially the two of you on stage together y'all are trusting each other and working together through these moments throughout the show the audience is 
is a part of the ride. And of course they are in these theatrical performances as well in the large spaces, but you know, even you can see into the eyes of the person farthest away from the stage. Mm-hmm. So you're all like in, you're in the show together, you know, yeah. and especially you talked earlier, Francis, about playing the space, playing throughout the space, you know, the audience is going to love that as well. So it sounds yeah. like it's going to be really exciting yeah. and something different. And they get to be closer to you as well. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, in the past, I used to get my audience to sing solo bits as well. I'm not doing that this time, by the way, so don't worry. <laughs> but, you know, some of them used to be scared to sit near the front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Never knew what was happening. Right. But this is quite you a safe. Pull them in. <laughs> this is quite safe. It's fun. It's safe. And it's actually, I don't know if you're allowed all ages, but this is an all age show. We in, do. In we're past, welcome for all ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the past, I've, pretty much said you know no under 16s because I've been quite naughty we're quite we're quite clean all right (laughs) well um not in that kind of really kind of dull way though (laughs) not in a dull way yeah never in a dull way has has the process for for the New York run of this changed from the performance performances in London or no um no only only sticking on my own in it somehow. <laughs> but, well, my next question, uh, I was going to ask you what's what's a sneak peek you can tell us, but you just gave you gave us a great one. So yeah, I... <laughs> well, and also um, just changing some of the words to in the vignettes to um, things that work for New Yorkers that that wouldn't, oh, interesting. you know, so little things like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I know the Zondheim fans will probably kill us, but we've changed a few of his lyrics um, to work <laughs> for us Londoners, mm-hmm. um, which we probably won't change back because we'll get muddled up because it's it's uh, the song Country House. So there you go, I'm giving that away. Um, and that's really one of the hardest songs. If we start changing it back now, I, th- I just don't think we'll get through it. So. <laughs> I'm sure we're not the first. <laughs> so he's not here to tell us off, um, but his fans could easily tell us off for sure. You won't be well, the first I, 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 and you won't be the last. It's fine. No, exactly. <laughs> and then in, 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 in all honesty, it's still a beautiful homage to, to one of our yeah, great songwriters. Yeah, certainly giving giving us a challenge, which we love. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I I'm so ex- excited about this show. Um, before we go, Francis, I just want to ask. You know, I was reading about this play that you have that you've been working on with Alan Cumming and and Sally yes. George. Um, can you tell us anything about that? Is it still in development? Yeah, yeah it is in development. So Wonderful. the next stage is a workshop um, okay. in London. I'd love to do it in New York actually, but it is actually cheaper in London, <laughs> so better to do it there. Um, so. Um, yeah, we're at work, workshop stage and it's a play with music. And I think the producers really are saying, actually, it's a musical because there's like 10 songs in it. Okay. So, yeah, so it's a musical now <laughs> after all that. Um, and it's um, I don't really want to give too much away, um, but it's it's a, the main character. Um, Lily is, is in search of a lost child. It's very touching but it's also very funny. So it's makes you laugh, makes you cry. And it's set in the theater. So it's wow. all the theatricals. It's actually set during rehearsals of a, of a theater piece. Wow. I have to say, I, lo- I love a showbiz story. So, <laughs> and the two of you, you know, you share quite a remarkable showbiz story throughout the last few years. So it's, it's really <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They're lovely collaborators. I have all around, all around me. Wonderful. 
Well, where can we find the two of you on, um, on the social medias? Where, where, where can we find you? Oh yeah. We're both Instagrammers, Francis okay. Rafael and Normski 69. Okay. <laughs> and, um, I don't do a lot of Twittering, but a little bit. Um, and I, do have a Facebook page which is in my name, which always has the current news. Mm-hmm. And are, what are you on Facebook, Normski sixty nine? I don't think I'm still Norman Bowman. Um, Bowman yeah, yeah. Um, a, yeah, I'm not do. quite as active on the social media. No. Yeah, we're not. We do our bit here and there. Yeah, I usually push him into it. <laughs> I'd happily have somebody else do it. Pay, pay for yeah, when, yeah, we're not great, but it is us that, that does it. So great. if you are going to interact, it is yeah. us. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, and, and that's even more so for fa- a reason for fans to come see the show. Um, <laughs> and just for everyone, so that everybody knows, um, Frankie and Bozy is going to be performing at 54 Below, Friday, November 10th, Saturday, November 11th at 7 o'clock. Yes. Yeah. Um, grab a ticket. Come see these two remarkable humans perform what is certain to be a unique and interesting journey on our <laughs> stage. We're really, we're really excited, and it has truly been a pleasure to talk with you both today. It's been a, a, a real honor. You Thank too, Maggie. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. We look forward to seeing you on stage soon. You've been listening to the 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. To find out more about our upcoming shows, visit us at 54below.org. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.